Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us here at Believer's Victory Church. Today we have an inspiring, powerful message that will change your life. Let's listen in as Pastor Peggy Heal teaches us from the Word of God. Hallelujah. God is so good, isn't he? He's good all the time, all the time. Aren't you so glad that you're never going to get up one day and God not be for you? God not be crazy about you. God not want the best for you. God not be there for you. The Bible says that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. Amen. He is always with us. And we have his promise. I read a quote the other day and it was so good. It was by T.L. Osborne. Anybody remember who T.L. Osborne is? Just an amazing man of God. If you, if you don't know who he is, you just trust me. And he said, there's, there's power for every promise that God has made. Aren't you glad about that? How many are so glad that God's not going to run out of power? Amen. Amen. I mean, just think about that. God's not going to run out of power. He's not going to run out of forgiveness. He's not going to run out of goodness. He's not going to run out of grace. Amen. God's not going to run out of anything because he's God. He's always going to have what we need. Amen. Always. Say that word with me. Always. Always. You know, we use that word a lot. We forget what it really means. You know, we could say, you're always doing that. Well, they're probably not, right? You're always this way or you're always that way. Well, that's probably not exactly true. Always means never changing, constant. And God is never changing. He says in his word in Malachi, he said, I am the Lord. I do not change. He is always constant. And so there's, there's such stability in our relationship with the Lord. Amen. People are up and down and one minute somebody can be for you and the next minute they're talking all bad about you. Anybody ever have that happen? One minute somebody can think you're just the best thing ever and the next thing you're, you're just, they don't want anything to do with you. You know what? That's how people are. But that is never how God is. We've got to remember that God's not a people. He's so much bigger. He, he is a being, but he is, he's not a people. He's not a person like you and I. And he never changes. God loved you before you were in your mother's womb. He still loves you. He was for you then. He's still for you. He had a plan for you then. He still has a plan for you. Amen? God does not change. He does not change. And here's the great news. Circumstances do not change God. Amen. Amen. They don't change God. He just stays the same. Stays the same. And I tell you what, that's good news. That is good, good news. I don't know about you, but I just find such, such peace when I think about how God will never change. He, his word is always the same. Amen. And so many things are changing in our world right now. How many agree to that? It just seems like everything is changing. Things that people said 10 years ago that we all agreed with, if, if people say them now, people are going crazy about it. Same thing, but now we're going to go crazy about it. Because we're just, people are just changing. People are changing. But I'm just so thankful that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and God be like, you know, that whole forgiveness thing, I changed my mind. You know, that whole I'm for you, not against you, not today. You know, that's never going to happen. God's always going to be the same. Amen. He's always going to be the same. He is our rock. And we can build our lives on his truth. Amen? But we're in a new series we kicked off. It's called Jump Into Faith. We're going back and forth on what to call it. You know, all the creative people have all, the, all these ideas and everything. And But really, the whole point of it is, let's get into faith. Amen? You know, I want to encourage you. I was reading something the other day, and, and we're going to share it here in a, in a probably in a couple weeks. But just to give you a little bite size of it. You know, don't get so familiar with the things of God that they're no longer awesome to you. Come on. You know? Don't get familiar with the, just how great God is. And when I say familiar, where it's just like, eh, you know, eh, or looking for something new. You don't need anything new. There is nothing new. God's the same. We're not here to be entertained. 
We're here to draw close to God. We're here to connect. We're here to connect to God. We're here to connect through prayer. We're here to connect through worship. We're here to connect with one another. That's what we're here to do. And we can get to the point where we feel like we don't need the things of God. We don't need his word. We don't need his people. We don't need his church. We don't need stuff because we're just like, I'm good. No, we need to stay connected. Amen? Stay connected. I was praying yesterday. I was in my car and I was just praying. And I, and I just was thinking about the connectors, the things that we need. And, you know, whenever you, I, was, I saw a guy who was getting his uh, battery jumped, his car battery and so one battery is, is good, and the other battery is dead, right? So what happens? The car pulls up next to you. You need to jump because your battery's dead. What do they have to do to get the power from one to the other? you got to connect them. you got to connect them. And so many Christians, so many believers, you don't have the power that God wants you to have because you're not connected. There you go. You're not connected. And the things that connect us to the power is the church, is the word, is prayer, is, is, is spending time with God. And when you don't do those things, you're going to be on the side of the road. And you're going you're gonna to look okay because, you know, a car that has a dead battery, it still looks okay, but it doesn't go. And some of you right here this morning, I didn't plan, I, was, I plan on doing the, a message. This, I was like, ooh, that's, I'm going to use that in a message, but somebody needs to hear it today. Some of you, life isn't going. You look okay on the outside, and maybe everybody thinks you're okay, but you know that stuff isn't going the way it needs to go. You're not running on the inside. And you're like, man, what's wrong? What's wrong? And the enemy's lying to you and saying, oh, you're not getting fed. That's your fault. I don't, I don't feel connected. That's your fault. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. You need to connect to the power source. You need to get your connector back where it goes. Because you know what? We get connected to Facebook, and we get connected to television, and we get connected to the world, and we get connected to hobbies, and we get connected to this, and we get connected to that. We get too connected to this and too connected to that. And then the connectors that go to God, God's connectors, are just laying flat. And they were like, man, you know, it's just not the same anymore, Pastor. Listen, God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. You need to connect. You need to get your connector back where it goes. Connect to the things of God. Because when you're disconnected, you're going to lose your power that you need. And God's, the, the, the battery is still, it's powered. But you need to connect to it. And there are connectors. God has placed connectors in his word. And he's told us, hey, do this. It connects you. Do this. Bible says pray. Why? It connects you. It says be in church. Why? It connects you. Worship. Why? It connects you. Praise. Why? It connects you. Be in thanksgiving. Why? It connects you. And when you don't have any of those connectors, you're going to be dead on the side of the road. And you're going to be whining and crying about it. And God's like, the power's here. We got to connect. Amen? And you know what? Complacency familiarity, all those are works of the flesh, first of all. They will cause you to pull your connector away from exactly what you need because it isn't entertaining to you. I'm not here to entertain you. The praise team is not here to entertain you. This is not entertainment. This is a house of God. Amen? It's a house of God. And we will not turn it into a house of entertainment. That will not happen. Something might be fun and something might be funny and things might move you and that's fine. But if you need that to connect, it's going to be tough. Amen? And so I just encourage you, just make a decision. You got to tell you, you gotta, you're the boss of your flesh. You got to tell your flesh, you pipe down, I need this. It doesn't matter if I don't like this song, I need this. 
People are like, oh, I didn't, you know, somebody said this. I was like, man, that's so good. Somebody said, I didn't like the worship today. And the pastor said, well, that's okay. We're not worshiping you. That's good, isn't it? We're not worshiping you. It's not, it's not a, it's, we're just here. I'm just here. I'm here to connect. Amen. I'm here to connect. I'm here to connect. How about you? Amen. Amen. Let's connect in God's word, right? All right. That was all a freebie. It's all free. It's all freebie. Here we go. So we're, we're in, the reason I say all that is because, you know, we, we got to go back to the basics a lot. You got to go back to the basics a lot. You know why? Because we forget. We forget or we neglect. And what you neglect begins to get a little smaller. Right? It begins to get a little, you know, because what you feed grows. And so if I'm not feeding my faith, if I'm neglecting it, it's not going to be as strong as I need it to be. So we never get to the point where it's like, oh, I got that. Oh, I got that. Oh, I heard that. Oh, I heard Brother Hagen teach that. Well, that's great that you heard Brother Hagen teach it, but you, you need to keep listening. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing. And so we need to get back into the basics and sharpen ourselves. Everybody's heard the, um, I guess it would be an analogy of, yeah, an analogy of the sharpen your axe, right? Everybody heard, heard that? And, you know, it's, it's, it's very popular in the world with work. If you're chopping down a tree, how many know that you're going to be able to do it quicker, better, more efficiently if your axe is sharp, right? Well, you know what? The same is true for our faith. When our faith is sharp, when it's sharp and it's fed and it's nourished and it's built and it's strengthened, man, when, when we need to release it, we're going to be ready. Don't wait till you're sick to get faith for healing. Don't wait till a financial disaster to get faith for finances. Amen? We need to build our faith constantly because the world is going to have obstacles and it's going to have things that come against us. The Bible says that there are weapons that have been formed against us. How many have figured that out? You're like, I'm that one. There are weapons that are formed against us. But the Bible says they will not prosper. Because what? The shield of faith. And if you got to go looking for your shield of faith, it's all up in the attic with a bunch of dust on it, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and so this summer and Wednesday night, we're just sharpening up. On Sunday mornings, we're sharpening up because it's summer. People are going on vacation. We kind of got that attitude. It's like, oh, it's summer. Let's lay back a little bit. No, no, no. It's summer. Let's put our foot on the gas. Let's put our foot on the gas. Because you know what? The enemy doesn't take summer off. He's not laying on the beach. Like, oh, you know, I'll get you guys in the fall. No, the enemy, he's, he's roaming. He's going. He's trying, to, he's trying to kill you. And I don't tell you, like, what? The enemy, open your eyes, my friend. There is, there is an evil, dark force. He is the enemy. He is the devil. And people are like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Just because you don't want to talk about something doesn't mean it's not real. You can't put your head in the sand and be like, oh, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Because what I always say, when your head is in the sand, what's sticking out? Your keister. Your behind. And people are like, boy, I feel like I'm just getting my butt kicked all the time. It's because it's sticking up. Let's get our head up and say, you know what? I believe what the Word of God says. I believe what it says. I'm going to do what it says. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. And so I need to recognize that my faith is very important. And I want to build it and I want to strengthen it. And so last week we began by just establishing and letting everybody know. And if you weren't here, I'll just give you a, a real quick Real quick recap, we established through the word, through many scriptures, that every one of us has been given the measure of faith. So if you're here today and you're like, I just don't feel like I have any faith. No, you do. You do have faith. Because the Bible says everybody got some. It was a gift. It's a gift. Everybody got it. And everybody got the same. So it's not like people in the front row got a whole bunch more faith than people in the back row. No, we all got the same faith. 
But what we do with it, once we got it, is up to us, right? And so, Chris, I, I hope you guys have, do you have the pictures, Chris? All right. So I showed you guys, we have a little baby, real cute little baby. Look how cute this baby is, right? An amazing thing that we're born with all the same muscles. You don't get a muscle infusion when you're 16. You don't go to the doctor and be like, oh, let me give you your muscles, give you a shot. Wouldn't that be great though, right? Uh, <laughs> give me one right here, you know? No, you have that right there. We, we all have abs, you know? Everybody has abs. It's just that some people's we can see. And other people's have a gentle covering, right? We have a gentle covering of we're protecting them. I'm protecting my abs. I don't want them out where everybody can see them, you know? I, I'm protecting them, right? <laughs> but we all have, when this little baby, is, he's got all the muscles he's ever going to have. All of them. Isn't that incredible? Because this little baby has the potential to be, look at the next guy. Dun, dun, dun. This guy. That's a lot of muscles. I mean, there's muscles there. I didn't even know there were muscles there, right? And so, okay, take that off because I want everybody to settle down, settle down. Now, the thing is, is what happened? This guy, now, how many know we've seen, we're not going to point any fingers. We could just look at me. You know, there's, I, I, I don't look like that, you know? But could I? Yeah, yeah. I could have, you know, abs and all that kind of stuff. I could. I could. And when we look at people that have a lot of faith and we think like, oh, they've got something I don't have. No, that's not true. They just took what they got and developed it. They ate right. How many know that guy doesn't eat Cheetos? <laughs> that guy does not eat Cheetos. He probably doesn't even know what a Cheeto is. He does not eat McDonald's. There's no way. There's no way. And you know what? what we, we see that physically, and we're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course, that guy eats right, and he works out, and he developed those muscles. So we can see that so clearly, and we understand it physically. But spiritually, I need to eat right, because what I feed myself is developing in my spirit, man. And so I need to eat the right stuff. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing. What's happening? I, I'm, I'm expanding the faith. I'm building those muscles of faith that I have. Faith is a muscle. And right now, you may not be able to lift anything with your faith. But as you exercise it, as you develop it, as you get the word and you, you realize, man, this is strengthening me. When we get the word, it strengthens our faith. Next thing you know, we're able to lift quite a bit more spiritually. We're able to handle things. Say handle things. Handle things and not freak out every time anything happens because my faith, it stabilizes me because it strengthens me. I've developed myself spiritually. Oh, doesn't that sound so good? The Bible says in Timothy, out of one translation, it says, take the time and the trouble. Say trouble. Take the time and the trouble to get yourself spiritually fit. Spiritually fit. Spiritually fit. If we were to do a spiritual fitness test, how would we do? Isn't that a good question? How would I do? Remember in school, when I was in school, you used to have to do the presidential fitness test. Do they still do that? You had to do so many sit-ups and you had to run a certain amount and all that. This is torture, right? This is torture. You know, and so you had to do that. What if we had to do a spiritual fitness test? Would we pass? Here's the thing. My spiritual fitness is affecting every area of my life. It's affecting, it affects my marriage. It affects my finances. It affects my emotions. It affects every relationship that I have. It affects my mental stability. It affects everything. And we got to take the time to develop ourselves spiritually. And so let's do that. You say, well, I've, I've never even heard that before. Well, it's time to get into the spiritual gym. Amen? 
Let's get into the spiritual gym. Let's get on the spiritual treadmill and let's do the time. Let's do the work to develop. And one of the ways we're going to do that is by strengthening our faith. And so last week we talked all about faith and about how we all have the faith. We all have it and, and how to, because here's the thing, hard times, say hard times, are when people show their truest faith. Amen. It's in hard times. That's when you know if you've got faith. In hard times. Are you going to fall apart? Are you going to just lean on everybody else's faith? Or are you going to get in there and use yours? Because, you know, there's a time when you can use, when God will let you ride on somebody else's faith, and it's great to have people in agreement with you and standing with you. But ultimately, you got to have your own faith. And so we learned last week just a couple of things, three things that are going to just really help our faith and build our faith. And, and, and one of them is the presence of God. Man, there's nothing like the presence of God. The Bible says, abide in me and I in you, right? Abide in me as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. How many are looking for fruit? That's the good stuff, right? Peace, joy. How many need some peace? Well, it's fruit. And the word says when you abide in him. Listen, a branch can't do anything by itself. We got a bunch of branches running around trying to be godly without God. Trying to have the things of God without God. Listen, branches can't do anything without the vine. You got to be connected. So the presence of God. The next thing was the promises of God. It's so good to know what God has promised you. It's good to know. Get into his word and see the things that God has for you. Knowing what God's promised you, it builds your faith up. Man, when sickness tries to come, I immediately am like, oh, no. Why? Because I know the promises of God regarding healing. I know them. And so get into his word and understand and get, the, get his promises into us. I, I don't have fear. You know, I know, and this is just a personal thing, but I know when I start getting jumpy, like, you know, like a, a little bit, um, well, the lack of a better word, just fear starts to come. Fear of being out, walking, or anything like that. You know, you've seen all the things about th people, stuff happening. And, you know, of course, use wisdom. Don't be crazy. But I start getting a little jumpy, like at my house. Like I'll be like, you know, like this or whatever. I know, I know that I need to connect more. That's an indicator for me. You know why? Because the Bible says that no evil can come nigh my dwelling. The Bible says in Psalms 91 that God promises me protection, that he'll watch over me. There are literal angels watching over me that I should not even dash my foot upon a stone. You may not be able to see them, but my angels are here today. Your angels are here today. And I expect them to work on my behalf. You know why? Because there's a promise. You say, well, that just sounds weird. It sound, listen, it's supernatural. I'm not interested in a natural God. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the one true God who is a supernatural God. And when we talk about angels and the devil and all that kind of stuff, and you're like, well, that just seems weird. And of course it's weird to your natural head because it's supernatural. Amen. It is supernatural. And, the, and, you know, the, the world is trying to put so much entertainment. You ever notice how much that kind of stuff is on TV now? You know why? Because the enemy wants you to think it's not real. Amen. Wants you to get it where, where you think, oh, that's just, that's, just, that's just Hollywood. That's just entertainment. That's just make-believe. No, they're just stealing and trying to, trying to trivialize and try to uh, make, make God entertaining and not the supernatural power of the earth. And you can't let that happen. Amen? God is bigger than anything you've ever seen on TV. And always will be. And so the presence of God, the promise of God, and the, and the third thing we learned last week was the people of God. You need the people of God. Amen? We need one another. And so this week we want to just look at, at faith again, and we're going to turn over in our Bibles and get your Bible out to Matthew 8. So you can look up here, you can look on your phone, you can just look somewhere. Amen? Look somewhere. Matthew 8, look somewhere. You know, you got to have your own Bible, amen? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for electronic Bibles, but, you know, you can't write in that. I guess you can, but it's not the same. But, you know, whatever works for you, 
Whatever works for you. But just make sure you got one. And so in, Rome, in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10, I'm going to read out of the New King James. It says, when Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So listen, you ever notice whenever anybody is super successful in an area, they immediately begin to write a book, tell everybody, go on a speaking tour. Why? Because everybody wants to hear how they did it. And then what are they going to do? They're going to try to emulate. They're going to try to copy whatever they did. They're going to try to copy it into their own life so that theirs works too. Well, you know what? Same thing is true here. We see the one time that Jesus marveled about somebody. We see the one time that he said great faith. And so if we're going to see that, if we want great faith, let's look at somebody who had great faith and let's say, hey, what did you do? Because I want to do the same thing, right? I don't, I don't, if, if Jesus said, oh, you have little faith, I'm like, okay, I don't want little faith. I want great faith. So I can learn from that and say, okay, don't do that. When Peter walked out on the water, we'd all be like, wow, that's amazing. But when he began to sink and Jesus grabbed him up, he said, oh, why, why do you have such little faith? Why do you still doubt? And so I can learn from that, like, hey, what did Peter do? I don't want to do that. What did Peter do? He started looking around. He started looking at the waves, started looking at the circumstances. So we can learn from that on how not to do that. But for this story, I want to learn from this on how to do it, right? And so the Bible says that Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, I haven't found such great faith. Wouldn't you love for Jesus to say that about you? Wouldn't you love for Jesus to say, man, I haven't seen such great faith. Wouldn't you love for Jesus to say, man, that's some great faith you got there, Peggy? Wouldn't that be great? Well, in order to have great faith, you got to start somewhere. And so when we're looking here, this is, we call this guy a hero of faith. And really, he's a very unlikely person to have such great faith. And I think Jesus brought this story, and it's in the Word of God. Because if you're here today and you say, you know what? I just don't feel like I've got what it takes to have great faith. God used one of the most unlikely people to have great faith. And so if you feel unlikely, you can, you can hook up here and say, you know what? God always uses unlikely people. God always uses the people nobody would think to do amazing things. So if nobody thinks much of you or nobody thinks you're going to be able to do it, you can say, you know what? That's okay. There's a whole book of people that are just like me that did amazing things for God. Amen? And so we've got this guy, and, and instead of him being an underdog, he wasn't an underdog. He was a top dog. The guy that he's talking to, he was a top dog. Because during the time of Jesus' ministry, just a little bit of history, the, Roman, uh, the Romans ruled Israel, and they were ruthless. They ruled Israel and all the surrounding area, and Rome was famous, and they were, they were infamous. I've heard somebody use the word infamous incorrectly like three times recently. Here's what the word infamous means. It means widely but unfavorably known. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's widely but unfavorably known. So they were known not in a good way. So they were famous for being great rulers. They were famous for because they, they had a lot, of, um, a lot of resources and all that, but they were also infamous because they were ruthless and they were brutal. And they were very, uh, they, they took care of their own. Roman citizens had tremendous rights and tremendous freedoms, but Jews did not. And so here we have this guy, and he's running around saying, people are saying he's the king of the Jews. He's got all these disciples. All these people are following him. He is a threat to the Romans. And so the man that Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Guess who he was? He was a Roman centurion. You've heard him, we say, the centurion's servant, the centurion's servant. He was a Roman centurion, and here's what that means. He's called a centurion because he has rule over 100 men. And the Roman army was very, very well known because it was so well trained. They didn't conquer all these places. They didn't rule all these places because they were a bunch of slackers. They ruled all these places because they were, they were the most highly trained and lethal force 
in the world at that time. Why? Through training, through obeying orders. And so this guy, he's a Roman centurion. So he rules a hundred men. And they ruled with such force that to disobey one would be the end of you. And so it says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. That's Matthew 8, 5. He said he's paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And in order for us to fully understand and appreciate this hero of faith, because that's who he becomes, we have to understand where he's coming from. He oversees a hundred men. Any order that he gives them, they follow. But in order to be a centurion, he had to come up through the ranks. So he knew how to follow orders and he knew how to give orders. He knew how to follow and he knew how to give orders. And so when we see this guy, he's so important because he's used to being in charge. And you know, a lot of times it's people that are used to being in charge that have the hardest time following Jesus. You know why? Because they rely on their own strength. They rely on their own natural abilities. A lot of times when you have a lot of natural ability, when you have natural resources, you kind of get that idea that you don't need God as much. But you know what? There's a lot of things that can't be bought that you're going to need. There's a lot of things that can't be paid for. There's a lot of things you can't pay somebody to do. There's a lot of things. You know what? You can't, you can't hire people to save your marriage. You can get good counselors, and you can pay the best counselors in the world, but unless you let God do a change in your heart, it will never truly be healed. Amen. Won't be healed. There are so many diseases. With all of the medical science that we have, people still die every day before their time. Before their time. Let's never think that we're enough. You may not feel like you need God today, but the day will come. The day will come. When's the time to get ready? Right now. Right now. And so we're just going to look at a few things through the story and kind of pull some stuff out. You know how we like to just look at some portion of Scripture and pull some truth out so we can learn. The first thing is a principle, number one, we're going to learn here is faith begins with a reality check. Amen. Faith begins with a reality check. You know, sometimes faith people want to be very disconnected from reality. You ever met any of those? They want to be very disconnected from reality. Listen, I don't need to disconnect from reality. I'm going to change my reality. Amen. Amen. And in order to change the reality of what's going on, I've got to face it, first of all. I've got to face it. And so the particular reality check that many of us can relate to, because any one of us, any one of us likes to be in charge of a situation. But this centurion servant, he had to realize that the power he had was not enough for the need that he had. Did you get that? The power he had, the authority he had, the accolades that he had, the people following that he had, none of that was enough for a solution for the problem he had. He had to realize that. And we have to realize that. Amen? You know, there are people, there's money makers, there's go-to people, the ones that uh, you send things to get done, those kind of people. That's who this guy was. He is a ruler. He's a centurion. He tells me, he said, I tell people to go and they go. I tell people to come and they come. He's got power, but he realized it wasn't enough for what he needed. And you know what? No matter how much power you have, it cannot forgive your sin. No matter how much power you have, it can't open the door to heaven. No matter how much power you have, you don't have power over the enemy unless you have Jesus. Unless you have Jesus. And so we need a reality check sometimes. You just say, you know what? I really need God. I need God. I need God every day. Every day I need God. Because no matter how important a person or how important you are, or how important somebody is, there's some things that only God can control, and only God can change. There's a whole lot of things that only God can change. Anybody got a situation in your life right now, only God can do it. I do. You know, there's an amazing story in the Bible, because a lot of times we think like, because we can't think of a way for God to do it, we don't think he will. Because you can't figure out how he's going to do it, 
You don't think he will. And so over in 2 Kings chapter 7, I, I didn't give this to Chris, it just popped up, but over in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's an amazing story of four lepers. And I'll just give you the story. There's four lepers. Leprosy is a, is a slow-moving, death-causing, very painful disease that still is in effect today. You think medical science has come so far? There are still people dying from leprosy today. Isn't that incredible? There are still leper colonies today in parts of the world. Don't ever think you don't need God. Don't think the world has the answers you're looking for, because it doesn't. And so in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's four lepers, and they're outside the city because they cannot be with their families. They can't be with their wife. They can't be with their children because leprosy is a highly contagious disease. And so they've been put outside of the city, and so all the lepers are outside, and there's four of them. And, and as, as a leper, you would just slowly die because leprosy is eating away at your body, literally. And so the four lepers are sitting outside in this, in this story in the Bible, and they're starving because the enemy is, 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 uh, is the Syrian army is outside, and they're getting ready to attack the children of God. And so inside the, inside the walls of the city, you can read the story if you want, inside the walls of the city, the food, it's, 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 it's running out. And the prophet goes to the king and he says, by this time tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, you'll be able to buy bread for this amount and you'll be able to buy flour for this amount. And it would, because everything was so expensive because they were, they were in a famine. How many know supply and demand is not a new thing? And so the, the, the king's right-hand guy was like, how's that going to happen? Just mocked him, mocked the prophet of God. And he said, how's that going to happen? That's ridiculous. And so the prophet of God looked at him and he said, you'll witness it with your own eyes, but you will not experience it. And so the guy, you know, sometimes that's how we are. When we see a promise in the word, when, when God tells us something, we're like, how's that going to happen? How in the world is that going to happen? There's no way that's going to happen. There's no way. And we don't want to say it, but really what we're doing is that lack of faith, we're mocking God. And so the, the back to the, you're probably thinking, what do lepers have to do with this? Well, back to the lepers. So there's four lepers out there, and they're sitting there, and they said, you know, let's, we're starving. It's bad enough they have leprosy and they're starving, right? I mean, that's, that's just terrible. And so they say, let's go to the enemy's camp. Let's go over there. They're not going to go back inside. You know why? Because they, their families are in there. Their people are in there. Their God has said that they have to be outside because they have leprosy. They don't want to infect their family. But they said, let's go to the enemy's camp. Like, who cares if we give them leprosy, right? They're the enemy. And so they say, let's go there. If they kill us, they kill us. If we live, we live. And so they get up, and they're all going to go. And you're probably thinking, man, what does this have to do with anything? Remember what the prophet said. He said, by this time tomorrow, this famine situation is going to turn around. And so, here's what happened. Over in the enemy's camp, four lepers, four lepers who have been starving. These are small people. They had to be at that point. They, they're starting to head over there. But you know what the enemy's camp heard? One of the guys in the enemy's camp is like, do you hear that? The ground is shaking. They thought that the Israelites had joined with other armies and that they were all coming for them. And the earth began to shake, and they heard a mighty rumble, and they got in such fear that they ran. And they left all their camp there. And so the four leper guys, they get there, and they're like, look at this. And the Bible says they went from tent to tent and they're just eating and eating and they're getting all the spoils and, you know, they're eating all this food. But then because they're good guys, they said, we can't keep this for ourselves. Let's go back and tell the king. 
So long story short, they go back, they tell the king, nobody believes it. The right-hand guy is like, oh, it's a trap, it's a trap. They know we're starving and they've laid a trap for us. And so he says, let's just send a few over to check it out. So the king says, okay, go over there. And so they go over there, the right-hand guy that mocked the prophet of God, he goes, he goes over there and he sees that all, I mean, just all this food, everything is there, all this provision is there because they've run off and they followed them. They followed their trail. They ran far, far away because they were terrified that, it, that armies and armies were coming for them. But you know what happened to the guy who mocked God? The very last verse of that chapter he gets trampled by all the people. He saw it. He came back and said, there's food for everyone. And exactly what the prophet said happened. But he did not get to enjoy it because he mocked what God said. And he was trampled by the people. I mean, that's terrible. But you know what? There's a great lesson to be learned there. Who would have ever said, you know, I think of an idea of how God could work this out for us. Let's take four lepers. Let's get them to go to the enemy's camp. Let's get the enemy's camp to hear as if an entire army has conjoined together with two other armies. Let's get the earth. Who would have thought of that? Nobody. Nobody would have thought of that. Because these lepers were disposable people. They no longer had a place in the, in, in the kingdom because of their disease. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't feel like I have a place in the kingdom because there's just so much, so much wrong with me. But you know what? God used those lepers to save an entire nation. And he did it in a way that nobody would have ever thought. Just because you can't figure out how God's going to do it, doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Don't limit your faith to what you can figure out. One of the greatest lessons of faith is a reality check. I need God. And more importantly, I'm not God. And God's ways are so much higher than mine. It's not my job to figure out how it's going to happen. It's my job to know who to go to to, to know that it will happen. And that's what this centurion servant did. He was a ruler in the Roman army, and he went to who many called a nobody. He knew where to go to get done what he needed done. Quit running to all the wrong places. Quit running to all the things that you think are going to work it out. All of your solution. God's got a way that's going to blow your mind. Amen? God's got a way that's going to be so like, man, I never would have even thought of that. You know why? Because you're not God. You're not as smart as God. So often we think we are. We're not. One of the best things we can do is be like this centurion and be like, you know what? I'm not God. I do have control. I do have power over some people. I've got a level of authority. I'm successful in this area or whatever he must have been thinking, but I cannot help my servant who I love. He cared for that servant. And so he goes to Jesus. Principle number two, number one, reality check. Number two, you got to ask. The Bible says in, in verse number five, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Pleading with him. Listen, just because you need it doesn't mean you're in faith for it. Amen. One of the biggest mistakes, listen to me, one of the biggest mistakes we make as faith people is thinking, because I've heard it, because I know it, I'm doing it. You hear that? Because I've heard about faith, because I know how faith works, here's the biggest mistake we make. We think we're doing it. Just because you know about it, just because you believe it, just because you endorse it, just because you wear faith shirts or whatever, doesn't mean you are in faith. Doesn't mean you're in faith. I know, I know, there, this room has people in it. You know tithing is real. You know what the word says. You believe the word. You don't do it. You don't do it. Just because you endorse something doesn't mean you're doing it. 
You got to do it. The Bible says faith without action, without works is dead. Dead. Don't make that mistake. Just because you need money doesn't mean you're in faith for money. Just because you need healing doesn't mean you're in faith for healing. It doesn't mean that. Feeling, faith is an action. It's not just something I know. It's something I do. Amen? It's not just something I know. It's something I do. And so the thing, first thing, he had a reality check. The second thing is he asked. He went to the Lord. He said he was pleading with him. The centurion wasn't just at a point of asking, but he was pleading with Jesus. This is an act of faith. The Bible says over in Mark 11, 22 and 24, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever, Pastor Devon talked about this on Wednesday night, whoever, say that word with me, says. Then say whoever thinks. Whoever thinks about their mountain. Listen, you can think about that mountain all day long, but that is not going to move it. You can think about it. It's like I say, thinking about something, praying and being in faith about something are two totally different things. You can sit and think about all the trouble you're in, but never exercise your faith to get out. You can think about all the debt you're in, but never exercise your faith to get out. You can think about how your body is hurting, but never exercise your faith for healing. Thinking and saying are different. They're different. Jesus answered, have faith in God. Another translation says, have the faith, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. And just real quick, we'll pick this up next week. If you look over in Genesis, how many, first book of the Bible, it says, and God said, 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 let there be light. And God said, let there be this. You can look through there. I encourage you. You look at my Bible every time in Genesis 1 where it says, God said, I have it underlined, God said. You know what? That's, God is showing me how to do it. There's power in my mouth. There's power in my words. And God could have, he could have said, and God thought. I thought about blue sky. I thought about, I thought about light. No, it said, and God said. And here we got Jesus over here in Mark 11. And he's saying, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. You know how God's faith worked? He said stuff. He says, have faith, have the God kind of faith. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever, say that word with me, says, says, to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, says he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What I, what I love about this passage is Jesus tells his disciples to have faith in God, but he also explains how to apply it. He says, have faith, and here's what you do with it. Have faith, here's what you do with it. So listen, last week we talked, we've all got faith. Now here's what you do with it. You start applying it. Just like, just like medication. If I got a medication I got to rub on, what do I got to do? I got to rub it on. I got to apply it. I've got faith in my heart. I've got faith in my heart. If I'm going to apply it to areas in my life, guess how I'm going to do that? I'm going to use my mouth. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Isn't that what he says here? He says, whatever things you ask when you pray, just because you need it doesn't mean you're in faith for it. You got to do it God's way. When's the last time you asked God for something and then believed you received it? Ask, believe you receive it. When do I receive it? When I pray. When I pray. Faith is an action. And the mistake that we make as believers, that we've been in church for a long time, looking around this room, most of us have been in church for a long time. We've, we've read Brother Hagin's books. We can quote Mark eleven twenty three. 23. We got it underlined in our Bibles. We're, we're like, speak to it, right? But when's the last time we did it? When's the last time you did it? Did it, and then you consistently followed up with it. It's probably been a while. For some, some people, maybe. And so let's not make the, the classic mistake that believers who've been in church for a while make. You think just because you know it, you're doing it. I know how to work out. 
I know. I have been trained by the best. By the, I've, literally, I've paid thousands of dollars, for real, training, paying people to train me how to work out. I know how to do it. I just don't do it. I know that might be shocking to you. And don't, so, so nobody texts Brittany, all right? She knows. <laughs> she knows. But I mean, think about what's the difference? How many know me and Brittany? What's the difference between the two of us? We both have the same amount of muscles. We were both born with the same amount of muscles. But you can see all of hers. What's the difference? She does it. She does it. She actually goes to the gym. She lifts weights. She and I go to lunch. You know what I tell her? I text her. I said, hey, let's go to lunch. You can watch me eat. <laughs> and you know what we do? We, we go to Longhorn by where she works. And I eat. She doesn't eat. She's the cheapest date. Because she's like, I don't eat that stuff. Why? Because she looks different. See, we can see that so clearly naturally. But those same rules, those are laws. Those same laws apply to us spiritually. Same laws. And the Bible says, listen, you can, and I always tell her this, the Bible says that that's going to profit you little. Because the Bible says working out your body, but it does profit you. It does profit you, so don't act like it doesn't. It does. It does profit you, but much more so your spiritual walk. Your spiritual walk. So listen, just because you know it, doesn't mean you're doing it. You can know, we know a lot of stuff we're not doing, and it shows. Doesn't it show that I don't work out? Yeah, it does. It does. Don't lie, we're in church. It does. It shows, but you know what? Listen to me. It shows when you don't work out spiritually. It shows. You may not think people can see, and it's not about what people can see, really. It shows. It shows in your walk. It shows in your life. It shows in your marriage. It shows in your finances. It shows in your emotions. It shows in your health. It shows in every area when you don't work out spiritually. And so let's just change it. Amen? Let's make a decision. I'm going to get spiritually fit. I'm going to get spiritually fit. And you know what? You say, well, I'm pretty fit. We can all get better. Amen? We can all get better. Let's pray together.